Hey, everybody. Welcome to Please Be Excited, a weekly film, TV, whatever we're excited to talk about podcast. My name is John. Today, I got Chad and Jimbo. Brother Jimbo, Jimbo, not Brother Chad. What's up? Um, All right. What have y'all been doing today or lately? What's been going on? Jimbo, you want to go? I've been, I mean, I've been watching The Expanse <laughs> on Amazon, on Amazon Prime. Is that all you're doing, though? I mean, like, day-to-day oh, life. Day-to-day life. Oh, no, I, I get up, I take a look in the mirror, I say a bunch of affirmations about how I'm good enough and smart enough and people like me. Uh, I go for a drive with no destination in mind. And I use up gas by doing that. And then sometimes I go for a walk around my neighborhood. And I do a different route every single day so that I don't go insane. And then I watch The Expanse on Amazon Prime. <laughs> you got to shake those tails. You can't let the, the people tailing you memorize your, uh, <laughs> your, <Yeah>. your routine. <laughs> I go to different but what about what about the gator? gator. Oh, I do uh, gator updates or up, updates. <laughs> updates. I sometimes call them gator gate. Gator gate. I like. I I walk around every day by the pond and I see if I can spot the gator because I feel safe if I can see it. But if I can't see it, then I start to get worried that it's gonna like come get me. When I'm expecting mm-hmm. it, so I'm always looking after the gator. You know, you know what Mama always said. You know why the gator is so ornery? Why's that? It's got all them teeth but no toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> you can cut that out. Is that water boy? Yeah. No. All right. That was, well... um, this is a Waterboy episode. Happy Gilmore. <laughs> uncut Gems. From yeah. Uncut Gems. From Punch Drunk Club. Punk Drunk Club. Yeah, Punk Drunk Club. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Chad, what have you been doing? I've been working. Oh, working God that. damn yeah. drug. Working that big old hiney. That's right. Keeping America fed and uh, keeping their asses clean. Shipping out whatever the hell dumb shit they order during this quarantine. What's the dumbest shit someone's ordered during quarantine? Oh, man. I don't know. I, like, erase all of my memories from work when I come home. Um, I don't know. Everything that's listed on the site. All right. Dumb shit. <laughs> Hey, not, not to turn right. this into a political podcast. Oh, boy. But, tomorrow, but tomorrow's May Day, all right? Support your workers. They're on strike. Don't order from Amazon or Target or Instacart. On May you know, days. these companies really need to stay in business right now, and they need their employees <laughs> to show up. So, you know, I, for one, am going into work. You're biased. <laughs> yeah, well, I need money. 
They need to give you better working conditions. They need yeah, they're good. Solidarity with them. Oh they're good God. enough. No, they're good enough. Please move on. Yeah, go ahead. What's up? Uh, besides work, just been watching shit on YouTube. Uh, that's really about it. Yeah, me too. I've been ever since the last Easy Allies episode. Yeah, I went back to the start of Easy Allies. <laughs> so I've been watching uh I've been like marathoning four year old videos. Yeah. That's uh but it's funny watching those because they have like the switch wasn't even announced. Yeah, yeah. So they have no idea what the switch is gonna be and it's you know the code name is in Yeah, I've whatever. gone back to some of those older things. It's it's funny to watch them like yeah, yeah, and then there's and then there's like all the rumors about different games like God of War and Death Stranding and Spider Man and like certain people believe them, certain people think that they're yeah, bullshit. It's, funny. it's just funny. Um, all right, got some news. Sure. Got some news for y'all. Um, all right, first first thing we'll talk about real quick. I'll, we'll just get through these quick. You guys can throw out opinions on them if you have any. Mm. Uh, there's the AMC and now Regal Theaters uh-huh. are saying they're no longer going to screen Universal Pictures movies. Oh, right. That's like Fast and Furious, Jurassic World, uh, all the Blumhouse or Bloomhouse, whatever, mm-hmm. Halloween, a uh, bunch of stuff that's not going to be in theaters if they don't resolve it. I'm sure they're, they're going to resolve it. Yes. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? For our listeners, what? what's the problem? Why? Is it- uh, troll. Like, I- troll. Problem is troll. Yeah. It comes down to trolls. Yeah. Um, one of the like president or CEO, whoever of NBC Universal, douchebag. Uh, yeah, Mister Douchebag said that Trolls World Tour did so good on video on demand uh, that they were planning on going forward releasing all of their movies simultaneously on video on demand and then in theaters. And theater chains have a huge problem with that and said, fuck you, we're not going to put your movies in our theaters anymore. Mm. But... He, the guy's saying that doesn't matter anyway, right? Isn't that the whole point of what that's, he's saying? Why yeah, but that's what, he's, that's what he was saying, but that is certainly not going to be the case. One, like, for one, whenever this is over, whenever places open back up, not everybody's going to be home. And then they're, like, pointing to trolls world tour as a huge success and then um i think like invisible man and other stuff but invisible man was out for like two weeks in theaters so it already had made a lot of money and then that's like a lower budget film and then trolls world tour had like a full year of marketing and publicity before it was going to hit theaters so like, it's made money, and I think it 
Trolls has made money, and I think it's probably made back its budget worldwide. But like Fast and Furious is a billion dollar franchise that makes like a billion dollars every single movie. Yeah. And that's not going to make that money at home, especially when places open up again. Yeah. Because I want to drive, so, drive my, my nice car to the theater. I want to go get those D box seats. Yeah. I want to feel. I want to feel my nuts. I want somebody. Yeah. I want a, a theater worker to come spritz me with a bottle and pretend that it's the rock sweat <laughs> hitting my face. Um, but yeah, I was just bringing that up. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on it. Um, did you, you guys think... watch Trolls? Uh, <laughs> Troll World? No. <laughs> Trolls no. World Tour sequel? It is, yeah. I don't know. I think it'll probably all this shit will just blow over once things open back up. Like people are just getting they feelings hurt because they got nothing else to do. I think. Yeah. How's this gonna blow over? You can't go into a theater for a packed screening. I'm saying when all the virus shit is over, people will be going back to theaters, and then these companies who all they care about is money will find a way to make money together again because they make more money together, probably. So it's like when people can go back to theaters, you know, every movie that can be shown there is going to be shown there. I mean, that's going to make the company's money. So it's like, you know, they. They still haven't moved uh, Tenet's release date because they're like hoping that what's shit will what's be the done. date? I think it's I think it's in July. Oh wow! No, that's gonna that's crazy. be pushed. Yeah, but they're still like right now they're still holding out for that date that they'll be like the first one back the big blockbuster. Shit! I mean, I'm gonna go to the theater for that. I don't care. <laughs> All right. Um, kick, kick my feet up one. on the seats, spread out. No, no shoes. shoes. No shirt, no yeah. problem. Just sit in the back row and then cough all over everyone in front of you. No, don't do that. <laughs> okay, next next piece. This is very, very relevant to Great. all of us. Huge franchise we all know and love. Now you see me three. Oh, fuck. Gets gets a writer, and the gang is all coming back. You got oh man, uh, the whole the whole Bradley gang. Cooper, the whole gang. Bradley Cooper, Zach Galifianakis, Ken uh, Jeong, um, whoever Tyson? else, Ed Helms. Are you talking about the Hangover cast. Weird. <laughs> is that what we're talking about? Yeah, I was doing a bit because they were both set in Vegas. Oh. They're getting woodies. Uh, <laughs> Woody is directly. Yeah, you know, actually. Jesse Eisberg, Emma Stone. Um, uh, they're coming, Abigail they're coming back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're all coming oh, back. Um, oh, and then, uh, all right, next one, next story. I don't know if you guys saw this, but. Um, Chad Stahelski and David 
Leach or Leitch, uh, the John Wick directors. Uh Um, John Wick Four. They're they're actually John Wick Four. Well, they talked about John Wick Four, but they, uh, I don't think they have any plans set in stone yet. But this is about Matrix. Oh. Uh, just because like they worked on the original trilogy uh, stuff and said that uh, they're actually like coming back and they're not gonna they're not shooting anything like second unit or you know directing anything but they said that they were like choreographing and planning fight scenes and doing all that stuff and then Lana Wachowski is gonna shoot everything herself which was is really cool they said that she's like shooting every single fight scene herself cool. which is yeah. rad um super hyped for the matrix 4 mm. gonna be bonkers out your non is there any, any kind of summary or what like or no <laughs> like, there's, there's, there's nothing no story details like Neo is somehow back. Trinity. Well, I mean, we don't know if they're actually the same characters or what, but Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss. And, uh, I don't know if they said if Lawrence Fishburne's back. I just, oh man, I just hope they don't like retread ground, like, like reference the old movies or like do a time travel thing or some shit. Like, do something new. Yeah. I want them to take 40 minutes and find all the infinity stones. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> of Matrix. That's what I want them to spend time with. Yeah. Okay. Alright. Um, and then moving on. I don't know if you guys saw there's a new they just announced a Hellraiser HBO show. Which one is that? That's like Pinhead. And, oh. uh, HBO? Or, yeah, mm-hmm. HBO. Uh, David Gordon Green is going to direct a couple episodes and he's producing. Mm. And then um, Michael Do- Doherty, Doherty uh, the trick-or-treat writer-director. Oh. And Godzilla, whatever second movie's called. He directed that too. Cool. Um so yeah, he's gonna be like the showrunner, I guess. That's cool. I mean I've never seen any pinhead movies, but I've heard like you know, somewhat oh, good things about them, like that they're interesting. I don't know. Could be cool. Yeah, it's got it's got a cool concept, but I mean and it's like so it's really gory and violent. Yeah. But it's like it's cool that so much of that stuff is practical and it looks amazing. Yeah. Um I think just the fact that it's gonna be on HBO is what it gives it promise for me. Because I, I think if you take like a horror movie concept and then put that on HBO, I mean they've already it's a totally different kind of franchise, but what they just did with the outsider in adapting horror was amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this could be really cool. Yeah. Um, and last thing I had written down was the Assassin's Creed Valhalla trailer mm. came out today. I don't know if you guys watched it. Yeah, I watched it. Jimbo, did you watch it? No, I watched it. Okay. <laughs> um, Chad, what are your thoughts on that? 
Uh, I don't care about it at all, but <laughs> it looks kind of cool, and it reminded me of the TV show Vikings. Yeah, that's basically how I felt. Uh, Assassin's Creed has kind of like run its course entirely. Right. Anyways, they could have done so much more of that series. What's the next Assassin's Creed series? What's the next setting going to be? What do they have left? Um, Where's the Uncharted territory? Oof. oof Assassin's Creed. Uh, Atlantis. 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 Atlantis would be actually cool. Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Uh, they could do Australia. Whenever... They sent all the prisoners over to Australia, and it's, I think, like, founded. Yeah. Um, space. They go in space. Assassin's Creed in space. <laughs> Assassin's Creed on a cruise ship. Assassin's Creed. Um, <laughs> yeah. Have they done a future one yet? No, that's, that's what I was thinking earlier, because, like, the game started out with the future crap, and then... You know, you're like doing whatever DNA shit and mind traveling, mind freaking back to the past. <laughs> Freak bitching. <laughs> yeah. Assassin's Creed, ancient Mesopotamia. Uh, yeah, written by Free Joe. History. Written by Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I had for like news crap. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I didn't know if you guys had any like other recommendations for like music or movies you've watched, or if you guys have just been watching TV shows. Uh, I actually had something that I was from YouTube that I watched. Um, it's like it's just these uh, you know Song of Ice and Fire series uh, like fan people. There's like a big, you know, fan community, people who create stuff for YouTube and blogs and all that. And um, I kind of took a break from it after the show ended just because, you know, kind of bummed me out and kind of bummed the whole um, community out and everybody kind of lost interest for a while. But now that, you know, like Winds of Winter is, you know, slowly but surely getting closer to coming out, I'm kind of getting more excited again about it and it seems like the community like on youtube and stuff is coming back a little bit more getting excited and um there's a couple of people i could shout out i guess one is um his name is lucifer means Lightbringer on youtube he's a cool dude makes interesting uh you know theory videos and speculation on what's going to happen and uh, kind of picking apart all the super deep like symbolism stuff that George puts into the books and like referencing mythology and all that. And then another one is Quinn's ideas. And then they've kind of been collaborating on some videos like gearing up for the winds of winter. Uh, I'm just getting excited about it again. So so cool. shout it out. Yeah. Is that um the Quinn's ideas one? Is that like Q U I N N S or Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yep. Yeah, I need to 
I need to get back into that stuff because I haven't I haven't read any of the preview chapters, anything. Oh about. really? No, I haven't touched anything yeah. Winds of Winter. I think they're like ten out or something. Like I didn't know that anywhere. I didn't know that was no, a thing. There's quite a few. There's like a Tyrion, there's a Barristan, there's like two Aryan from Dorne. There's... Is this just on like his personal website or something? Where yeah, you can there? find them. Just Google them and you you'll find them all. But um, there's like a Sansa one. There's an Arya one. There's a lot out. So, all right, well, cool. Winds of winter hype. Very hyped. Um, all right, Jimbo, did you have any any other stuff to talk about before we get into? I don't know what we're talking about. Are we going to talk about devs? I'm sorry, it's Deus. Date, huh? Deus, excuse me. I'll, I want to catch up more on The Expanse, and then I can kind of go on that one in a different podcast episode. Uh, right. Did you want to talk about that new band, like the Tiger? Thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, I can. I had a couple of music things and movie stuff written down that I could bring up. Yeah. Um,. Yeah, first thing is, I don't know if whoever's familiar with uh, Tiger's Jaw, um, which is like early 2000s through, like they're still active, um, but three out of the five members left and did their own things for a while and now they formed it. It's called Pay for Pain and they have a single out called fallen angel um i think their ep comes out in june it's i really like the single pretty hyped for that um if you don't know wicker phase springs eternal go listen to uh his album suffer on that's a really good album and then do you guys know Haley morgue nope okay this it's like Pop, pop music uh, is kind of her. Oh wait, did, does she have that song Medusa? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Her her voice is so similar to the Purity Ring singer. <laughs> hmm. That's like that's. I thought it was her doing like a solo thing, but it's a totally different yeah. person. Um. Anyway, she just released an EP called Here in Your Bedroom. That's really good. Nice. Uh, that's Kaylee K A I L E E Morgue. Super good pop EP if you like pop music. Um, and then I had like a bunch of movies I watched this week that I don't know if we really have time to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like quickly, I want to shout out uh, the Changeling, which mm. you guys haven't seen, have you? Nope. No. Oh my god. I like I was just looking for some simple horror movie and I really wanted something older. Um I think this came out in 1980. Uh anyways, really really good simple effective horror movie. Um it's about this composer whose wife and daughter die in an accident and then he moves into this giant mansion all by himself and then turns out that it's haunted by a dead child ghost 
Of course it is. Anyway. <laughs> George, George C. Scott. Yeah, right? George C. Scott. Patton. He is amazing. It's It just blows my mind that he's not, like, more recognized and famous. But he's one of my favorite actors in all those old films, like, especially the Kubrick stuff. Um, anyways, it's on Shudder. It's really, really good. Um, and then I'll shout out, like, The Fog and In the Mouth of Madness. These are both on Shudder. John Carpenter movies. Yeah, both Carpenter. Yeah. Um, the Fog is, like, is just really fun. And a good thing about... I'm not sure the length of these three movies, but um, I think they're all, like, under two hours. And The Fog is, like, an hour and a half or something. And I was like, I just want short movies. Please make all movies, like, an hour and a half. True. Jesus true. Christ. Um, Suspiria. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is that the like remake. three hours? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, the remake. Um, anyways, yeah, The Fog is super fun because it's just like this small seaside town and there's some kind of uh, like old... I forget what the story is, but it's like this old boat sunk nearby and then the sailors come back and just like start murdering everybody in the town a hundred years later and but like the fog rolls in with them and they're kind of in for a lot of it they're like in silhouette so you don't actually see like real close-up details and then um and there's like really cool lighting throughout the movie like there's uh like there's there's like ships uh or there's like shots on this ship that have like the red lighting down below uh yeah. below deck and then there's like uh there's like a lighthouse that um I don't think it's a lighthouse. I think it's another part of the ship that has like green lights and then there's like a museum or something. It's just like a beautiful movie, really fun, not long. Definitely go watch that. But then In the Mouth of Madness is probably my favorite out of all of those. I don't know. Mm. If, have you guys seen that? No. No, I just watched the uh, Red Letter thing on it. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's got um, Sam Neill as the lead actor. And uh, it's like he's like this insurance claims investigator guy and uh anyways this publishing company has uh is expecting like the manuscript for this new book from a horror writer named Sutter Kane and it's kind of like a mix between Stephen King and H.P. Lovecraft and uh well he is it's that's like I mean that's he's like as popular as King, but his stories are like in line with H.P. Lovecraft. And um, anyway, so this guy, this writer goes missing. The publisher wants the manuscript and they send this uh, investigator guy to go find him. And he like, he can't find him. And 
turns out that there's like a secret map hidden in like the covers of his books that uh, you put together. And then I forget where it is, if it's New Hampshire or something. Um, but he actually like goes into this fictional town called Hobbs End that the writer created and like brought into reality and yeah. uh anyways it's just like it's this small town with like super spooky atmosphere and all of the characters all the townsfolk are really creepy and weird and everything is off and there's like a there's like this group of children that are constantly chasing around this dog and like every time you see the children like and the dog like the dog is injured and then the children are like more zombified and then eventually the dog just disappears so you realize oh the kids like killed and maybe ate this dog or something and then there's, there's like all this stuff going on uh all over town and he's just like investigating this small town trying to find this writer and this writer is trying to like bring on the apocalypse and bring the old ones the old gods like into the real world and all this crazy shit but it's it's such a cool idea and then it's like mid 90s and carpenter is just amazing this movie's amazing uh this is one of my favorite things i've seen in a really long time but i'll stop there i had a few other movies but i'm just gonna stop with those um mm-hmm. oh except for train to busan <laughs> yeah what okay i liked it yeah i really liked it that's all you need critique <laughs> sure it's too long <laughs> Yeah, probably. It should have been an hour and a half. I haven't actually seen it, so. It's just, it keeps, it's cool because it keeps, like, escalating things, but then it's like, okay, you're constantly trying to outdo each situation you've been in, and it's just like, stop. Yeah, the them Koreans. (laughs) Don't know when to stop. And I I don't want to get into, like, a whole logic thing and plot holes stuff because I hate all that shit mm-hmm. but they establish they establish early on in the outbreak and like multiple times throughout the movie that the zombies like stop moving if you block their line of sight mm-hmm. and it's just it was so frustrating because they established that like two or three times throughout the movie like maybe you know up to midway and a little after midway Uh and it's like you're still on the fucking train and you're still in these uh train cars that are all separated by doors and like so much of the tension and the situations that the characters get into is like hinders on them being trapped in these cars and there's like glass doors on the either side where the zombies can see them. Mm-hmm. And like very early on, one of the characters takes a bottle of water, splashes a newspaper, puts it up to the door, and then the zombies stop immediately. 
because they can't see the, mm-hmm. the humans. And nobody ever does that again. Nobody on the train ever tries to block their vision, their line of sight ever again. Like the, there's like this homeless guy who throws a coat on the head of a zombie to save the main character. And the zombie mm-hmm. just like immediately stops attacking the guy and just like stands there confused. And then throughout the entire movie, nobody tries to do that again. And I'm just like, you guys have all these shirts and jackets and luggage and everything that you could pile up and block the doors or whatever. Mm-hmm. It just, <laughs> I want to stress this movie's really fun yeah. and like so well made. But that's just like, it was the most frustrating aspect of that movie because they established this clear rule with the zombies and how they function. I'm like, can't you just like follow through on that throughout the movie? Because like characters make note of it and like mention it and then they don't ever do anything about it. Anyways, I'm sorry to be negative. (laughs) About a really cool no, movie. It's frustrating whenever a universe doesn't follow its own rules. I mean, if if you don't want to have like someone notice that, then you shouldn't have set it up in the first place. I guess. Yeah, I just I don't really know why they. They. I mean, I mean, it's probably just like plot function, and you know, like tension and using it for specific scenes and just like the writer needs you know needs the narrative to function this certain way and put these characters in these situations because it's like they'll they'll get the characters totally screwed and then get them out of it with that thing with the like the rule the vision shit and then they like Whenever, whenever they need like a tense moment, something to happen, then they don't follow that rule. It's just super frustrating. But it's yeah, it's, for me, it was just like I don't even remember that being a thing in the movie. So I, I think whenever I watched it, I like randomly picked something on Netflix, having no expectations, and then I was kind of like. I got so caught up in it with like the characters and just seeing it as like, okay, this is like a B movie or whatever that I've never heard of. I have no expectations. So all I really cared about was like the positive like aspects of it. It's cause I was just, you know, like taken by surprise and just kind of taken with it. And yeah. Yeah. There's, like I want to, I want to say for anybody listening, like go watch this movie. It's really fun and it's so well made. Yeah. And there are so many sequences throughout the movie that are just like perfectly executed and like constantly ratchet up the tension and suspense and. Uh, and there's a really good like um, character sort of story. Yeah, arc there's a great relationship. Yeah, stuff. there's there's a. It does a really good job of building an ensemble that you care about. How about that big the, dude? Yeah, the big dude. There's a the there's dude? this guy who's gonna like his wife is pregnant and he's like a kind of like a bodybuilder dude. And he's just got this like suit jacket on and he's just he just like punches the shit out of zombies. 
that's yeah, basically how he fights the zombies the whole movie. Uh, it's so good. Um, okay, I was I was done with all my movie talk. If you guys wanted to get into anything else, yes. Uh, I mean, we could just go ahead and get into devs. But I did just want to say, I really want to watch uh, In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah, hyped, hyped about it. Yeah, it's so good. All right, um, devs. We last one we talked about was episode five, right? Um, I think that's. I think. Well, I think that's the last one that was out whenever we recorded that episode about it. Um, yeah. What what episode is six? Um, I think it has a bunch of flashbacks in it. Well, I know five uh, had the flashbacks. Well, I mean, they all have flashbacks towards the end. Is, is six where her and Jamie go to Forrest's house? Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. It might be. I'm just trying to remember what episode seven is. Anyways, uh, yeah, that one, the episode where they go to, I think, yeah, I think six is the episode where Jamie and what's the main character's name? Uh, starts with an L, maybe. Is it Lana? No. (laughs) Lily. Yeah, Lily. Uh, Jamie and Lily go to... What's his name? Nick Offerman's. Forrest. Forrest. <laughs> they go to Forrest's house. And is that the, the whole episode takes place there, right? I don't know uh, if it's the whole episode, but it is like at least like a good half. I mean, they like she wakes up in the hotel and then they have to decide what to do. Um, yes. So then she decides, well, they can't go on the run. So they might as well just go head on and face them. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that was a good episode. Like, I love the scenes between Alice and Pill and then I don't know the act- actress's name that plays Lily. But I love all that, all that stuff and them breaking up, uh, Lily and Jamie that way where <laughs> Jamie's stuck on the porch with Forrest. Oh yeah. That's good. Those were really yeah, those are really good scenes. Like the, the two conversations that were going on and then I like how Forrest and Jamie start bonding like throughout the course of their conversation. And they deal with like some really tough like subjects getting into Jamie talking about losing Lily like the first time and then Forrest talking about losing his wife and his daughter and just having like this intimate conversation on his front porch and then that leads into them just playing they're playing frisbee right yeah like out together uh, which is like the funniest <laughs> like detail to have those two characters just like playing frisbee in the road yeah I like that scene and then Kenton's watching the whole time. Yeah. Jealous. Kenton's such a freak. What a creep. He's probably sitting there watching them. He's Get a hobby. jealous, man. He just wants to play Frisbee. 
Yeah, he's like, I mean, no, I, he didn't get invited. I mean, I want to play for him. He's shit. <laughs> um, okay, I, I, I really liked Devs. However, mm. for me, the show went on way too long. Hmm. I, I, I don't know. I just felt like there's a lot of. I get that it's the tone and the style of the show, and it's what Alex garland wanted to put out there just feels like so much meandering and like Mm -hmm. unnecessary long shots and i don't i mean i get it's totally the atmosphere and vision that he had for it but i i was getting frustrated towards the end of like please just progress things progress move the plot forward yeah yeah i think at a certain point it was like the the big like plot beats was like like once lily gets put into the institution and then like jamie gets her out and then yeah it's kind of gets to like almost a standstill until they go and visit um, and even that, you're like, okay, so what's going to happen next? Like, is everything uh, just going to be, like, fine between them? Like, there's no progression in, like, the conflict or whatever. And then it kind of was, like, putting more flashbacks in. I feel like it was, you know, exploring some of the themes more, and it was deepening the characters more. And making you sort of, you know, understand, you know, what they've been through, where they're coming from, so that that resonates more. Which, you know, I guess didn't need to be in there, but I liked all of it. I liked all the flashbacks. I liked all the weird scenes of, like, the the multiverse, like, possibilities of, like, you know, multiple you know, versions of certain events happening with, like, music playing over it. I liked all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I could see how if you're just wanting to see in a plot way, like, what's going to happen next, how is this going to resolve or or amp up before it resolves, like, I could see getting, you know, a little bored with it. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you guys, what did you, did you guys care about the Linden plotline? Uh, I mean, I got kind of invested in him okay. as a character, just because I, I kind of liked, I don't know, I just liked the character, I liked the relationship with the other dude, the friendship, um, it did, I mean, maybe there wasn't as much of like a dramatic payoff to the end of, I don't know if I should say his or their story. You know, but um, be, kind of just because of like the ideas of the show of what Alex Carlin is playing with of like the you know these predetermined events and then the character knows what's gonna happen, you know, so it kind of like maybe robs some of the drama from it, mm-hmm. and then it's kind of done in this. Uh, I don't want to say it wasn't off-screen, but it kind of like cut away from right before 
um, you see whether or not they fall. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts back and then you see them falling, you know, and then it does like the multiverse thing of like, oh, was this the one where they fell? Was this the one where they didn't fall? And then you see that it, I don't know. So yeah, the way it was shot and like out of sequence and then sort of coming back to it and playing with your like perspective on it, it didn't, it, I can see how you could not be, you know, dramatically satisfied by the wrapping up of their story. Um, but I mean, I like cared about the character enough. I don't know. Okay. I just, I don't know. I was expecting like a much bigger payoff with that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I thought that they were going to be like integral to the end. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. I kind of wondered about that too of like, okay, is he going to come back and like be sort of responsible for the downfall of this whole, um, devs, you know, department or like, is are they gonna fuck over Forrest or help out Lily or something? He's, but yeah, I guess if you if you were kind of setting yourself up with those expectations, you could be let down by how it just sort of like farted out, you know, <laughs> instead of yeah tying into the main storyline. But I think maybe. Alex Garland just kind of wanted to do that whole situation. Um, that specific situation of like, you know, taking this leap of faith. And if you're in the multiverse, if you're in the universe where you live and you don't fall, then you come back to dev. So like, and then like one of the characters knowing exactly how it plays out, but not telling the other one and that, you know, being, part of the reason why things happen the way they do and that like perfect circle they say i think maybe alex garland just wanted to he came up with that idea and wanted to put it in the show and that maybe sort of robbed the potential storyline for um linden you know being involved with the the main plot i don't know i'm just speculating but yeah i get what you're saying um I think that he wanted to show someone that was fully committed to the project and willing to risk everything based on that belief. And then someone who was like smart enough or part of it enough to understand all of the implications of what's going on. Yeah. Because it's one thing for Lily to make choices whenever she doesn't have the full picture, but for Lyndon to make that choice being a part of devs and fully understanding the entire like situation of making that choice shows that level of faith and commitment. And I think that's kind of what they were going for with, with that storyline. Yeah. Um, skipping ahead to the finale. No, we need to back up for a second. For what? What are we backing up for? Because we didn't even talk about, uh, What's the dude? Kenton. What's the dude's name? Who? Oh, Kenton. Oh, yeah. yeah. We we called like all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the homeless guy being a Russian, oh, yeah. Russian agent. Yeah. yeah, homeless guy did turn out to be yeah. a Russian agent. Yeah. 
that. And he he was the one that finally shut Kenton down. Yeah. He did call that. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that scene between them. I think we talked about it, the scene between them outside Lily's apartment. Yeah. Where he's like where he looks at Ken and he's like, I'm not afraid of you and then Ken's like, Yeah. He's like, I know, I just can't figure out why or whatever. Yeah. That was so good. That was so yeah. that was like I was I was kind of frustrated with this show by then and I ended up, you know, most like mostly enjoying devs really liking a lot of stuff about it but that was the most satisfying scene in the whole show for me yeah true was this guy just fucking wrecking kenton yeah taking his little bitch ass out <laughs> it was the most like cathartic scene for yeah because sure. kenton's been going around just like brutalizing people and bullying them and manipulating them for six or seven episodes up until that point and to see someone finally get the like the better of him physically, and then this happens like moments after he's just murdered Jamie. Yeah. Okay, so that is like that's immediate in your mind. He's just killed his character that like everyone really likes, and so having someone finally just get rid of Kenton was great to see. And then the immediate turn that that char- the homeless character makes once that happens where he stops talking in that kind of like goofy surf way and his, his total voice and demeanor changes whenever he's talking to Lily and you see like, Oh, this is like a formidable, intelligent guy, Russian spy. He like breaks down the whole situation for her, tells her what she needs to do. And seeing that turn with the character was really cool. too. You know what I really liked though about that is just the way it was written and acted because there was I just felt like there was so much depth in that person. Like, you know, you see him as a homeless person, right? And then he's kind of like, you know, like what happened to his life? How did he end up like this? Like he's kind of maybe hopeless or he's got issues. Um, you know, maybe he's like depressed or whatever. And then or he, maybe the feeling of like, a character a person who's like a homeless person feeling trapped and yeah like trapped and hopeless I would say is what I felt and then you sort of you get that from just the situation that he's in before you know that he's like a spy or whatever and then once yeah Jimbo saying that turn happens and you understand who he is he's still kind of like to me expressed or like came from almost a similar place of like when he's telling Lily, like the most important thing, you know, whatever the line is where he's saying, you're, you know, your life has changed forever. Like it can never go back to the way it was. And it felt to me like he was like speaking from experience of like, you know, he, he was sort of trapped in this. Maybe it wasn't what he wanted to get into or like he regrets how his life has ended up, you know, being what it is. And is it was just because of like what he has to do. And, you know, maybe he's being sort of coerced or blackmailed or yeah, like he just sort of feels trapped and hopeless. And just like being in that world of like such ruthlessness and violence and sort of almost like nihilism or like, 
just having gone through what he must have gone through to, you know, be in that place. And um, I don't know, I just felt like there's so much depth to that character and so few scenes and stuff. Yeah, it really makes an impact with Blake Lillard's screen. Yeah, and I, I just, I love what, like you were saying about that scene with him explaining the situation to Lily and, you know, thinking about his past and where he's come from with all this. But, like, thinking about how he's, he just, he just, you know, killed Kenton in a ruthless and efficient way. And you get that he's, like, this physical force. But then speaking to Lily and explaining her options and, like, you know, how her life has changed, he's speaking to her with, like, so much sympathy, I thought, for the situation and then... Just yeah, he has yeah. like a deep understanding of what has just happened and what she's going through. Yeah. Um okay, yeah, and then jumping ahead to the finale, you guys can talk about whatever you want. I just had I I did not totally understand like the ending how the ending happened. Right. Um, I don't know if you guys want to lead up to there or if you just want to skip to like the actual last five minutes or whatever. Sorry, you cut out a little bit at the end. What did you say? I didn't know if you guys wanted to like cover the events of the whole episode leading up to the very end or if you wanted to just like jump ahead and discuss that like five minute whatever uh... at the end. I don't know. I mean, I, I would just say most of it I just really liked. I liked them watching the the people in the caves from like thousands of years ago and sort of, you know, how he was talking about, um, you know, people lived in caves for like thousands and thousands of years and then things were so simple and so like similar between generations and generations forever and then all of a sudden you know things have sped up so much and I think you know Alex Garland is just kind of reflecting on like yeah like maybe we're not ready for that acceleration or that it's so different from how life has been for humanity for so long I I just really like that scene yeah I like the the vibe of it yeah Forrest is like Uh Forrest is talking to Lily right uh, whenever they're watching on the screen, uh, the campfire. Oh, is he talking? Uh, is he talking to her or Allison Pill? That's Allison oh, okay. Pill. Yeah, and he's but he's talking about how like the world, you know, stayed that way for thousands of yeah. years or whatever. Yeah. And then he talks about the last couple. Yeah, exactly. Decades and stuff, and he's like, now it's he's talking about how the world like fundamentally changes every who's like it used to be decades and years and then he's like it's now it's like months or even days or whatever yeah um yeah that was a really good scene um uh i was just i was gonna skip ahead (laughs) Um, i'm trying to think if, if there's anything else worth talking about um i think we also called 
what would happen too with like with Lily. I think that we said that the reason their program probably stops working is because she probably makes a choice against it, against the projection. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we got that specific, but I think we did like theorize that the reason why they can't see past a certain point is because it's like it's not 100% accurate like they think it is. Yeah. So, yeah, that turned out to be the case. Um, oh, man, I loved uh, – what's his – I don't remember his name, the character's name. The um, – like the one who's friends with Lyndon. Stuart. How he was – was it Stuart? I think Stuart? Stuart. How he was – it almost started reminding me of like um, – like the ferryman with the river sticks, like this, something like that, where it's like the dude, you know, at like the crossroads who like knows what's on the other side and is kind of there warning you. It was him like sitting in that hallway, just kind of like, you know, peering into your soul as you come through and either like warning you or like, um, maybe, you know, causing you to reflect on your own, you know, mistakes or whatever, like how he talked to, um, he was quoting, was it Shakespeare that he was quoting? I think that's what it, it said. I think that's it was, what they said, but I wasn't yeah. sure. And then, I don't know, he's just kind of giving poor shit and then telling him that, yes, it works now, but only because we use Lyndon's equation. Yeah. Um, with the multiverse stuff, so, um, and then, yeah, just giving him shit, or, like, he's, like, um, I don't know, just, he sort of, like, turned that corner of being, like, what we're doing here is, like, breaking the universe, is breaking humanity, this cannot happen, and, you know, like, he does make that decision to kill forest at the end like he's made that sharp a turn yeah yeah but i really liked him just sitting in that hallway you know being uh ominous and uh yeah Hmm. okay um yeah so yeah so the the actual ending of the show yeah i i didn't i did not understand i'm just saying i did not understand what the hell happened once forrest died and lily died i mean no i understand that they're in the system they're in the whatever it reminded me of uh (laughs) reminded me of the west world uh forge thing or whatever the yeah, thing yeah, that the hosts go into, um, right? But like, I under I understood what was happening, mm-hmm. but I did not understand how it happened or that scene. The right. scene that happens between Forrest and Allison Pill's character, like right after he dies, or whenever right. it is, where he like a- appears in the whatever in the machine yeah uh i don't know i love that just that how he was 
you know, blipping in and out. And it was so like, um, uh, like chaotic and sort of like, you know, it, it felt like that kind of Promethean thing of like, you try to be defy the gods or you try to be God, or whatever, or just that sort of being stuck in like a hellish infinite, you know, punishment thing. Um, I thought he was going to be trapped in that kind of thing forever, like blipping in and out, never able to escape it. And then I just, I just loved how it looked and how it sounded. It was like, you know, terrifying. But um, I think what they did was basically Allison Pill, Katie, um, she took like the version of him, I guess his code or whatever, from like right at the moment of his death and just sort of like, somehow like turn it on or ran it as code in the system which makes him real in the system and then i guess had a way to communicate with him in there i don't know how they figured that out but um and then uh yeah like they so they took him from the moment of his death so that he had the knowledge of the fact that he died and the fact that he was in a simulation um, once they sort of re-ran it, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, it was just his, sort of his code. It wasn't like his actual soul, like from his body somehow got into the thing. It was just like a copy of him. But it's so real that, you know, it, it might as well be him, right? And then I guess she just, I don't know if she like set the timer back on the simulation thing or if she just um yeah i don't know but somehow lily and forest were back um to a couple weeks ago or a couple days whatever it was and they had the memory of their experience up to the point of their death like that's what it was right right um yeah but i think i mean i think that forest that was a that was another thing that I was confused about with the simulation or whatever. It's like, did she did Katie send him? I didn't understand if she just like created a world or like chose a world where his daughter and wife survived, or if she sent him like, did she send him back with the awareness of what was going to happen to stop things or? Like, yeah, because I, I, I mean, he's totally, you know, aware of the simulation and what's happening at the end whenever Lily confronts him. And it seems like, you know, he's been there maybe for like years or something. It felt like that yeah. he's been in this world. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. I wasn't I sure. That's, that's just one. Ver- that's like that's one universe's simulation, though. Because he he ta- he talks about how, like in the other universes, there are other simulations where things aren't like that, and and it's just like he and Lily sometimes in those versions, and it's more like hell than heaven. And he makes that comparison. So so I mean, where he gets put in, and then what's included in the simulation is different in each case. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
I just I I don't know. I was so confused by that ending. Like I understood the whole everything with the simulation and putting them in. I just was like, how the fuck did they do this? What is happening? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly, but um, I mean the whole quantum multiverse thing is that you know there's basically infinite variations of you know every small tiny thing that could have happened so it wasn't just like a couple or a bunch of variations is like you know an unimaginably huge number of them with the tiniest variations and you know you can only express that so much in words and then how they did on the show of like the cutting to you know like one of their conversations having at nighttime and then daytime and then it was like raining or whatever just to try and convey that idea but you know whenever he's saying some of them could be closer to hell than heaven or whatever like i don't know it's interesting to think did they like intentionally do that to lily too without her sort of like consenting to it like why why did they send her back? Was it just because Forrest felt guilty about, like, being responsible for her death? But then he's also, like, she didn't give her a permission to have herself, you know, um, brought back or whatever. Like, Well, that was, yeah, that was what I was picking up from it, is that Forrest and Katie, like Allison felt, both felt guilty or responsible for what had happened to Lily and Sergey and Jamie and then that by bringing all those people back or like pressing rewind on the time like in the simulation it gives Lily a second chance too where she can live out her life and be happy without having to deal with like all this death and everything that went on yeah but that's only in one version of what happened it could be you know you know, she's brought back into, you know, a universe where, I don't know, Jamie's dead or, or Jamie dies again right after, you know, she meets him or, I don't know, like, he never no, existed mean, or... It is, like, it, it's really messed up to do that without her consent, like, without her knowing without what was going to happen to her. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Um... Okay, did you guys? I've I, I'm tapped out on that. I don't know if you guys had any closing yeah, thoughts sure. on those or Deus. Um, Deus, gotcha. Oh yeah, got him. Combine that with uh, X Machina. I was thinking as got. soon as they said that in the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, hold on, is it is this the same on. universe? Whoa. Shit. <laughs> um, yeah, and then there's the little bit of uh, epilogue with you see Katie survived and she's got the government lady there. And um, yeah, so I guess the, the machine doesn't work anymore with predicting the future. So when I was like speculating what was going to happen with it going forward, of like what if a government gets hold of this like predicting the future thing how is that gonna reshape humanity 
So I guess that's not going to be something that happens because um, it stops, you know, working or it stops. Once they know that somebody can make a choice that defies the, you know, simulated future, it's pointless. Like it's mm-hmm. useless. Um, so you don't have to like, I guess, worry about that. But then it's interesting to think about, um, I don't know, the implications of what is still working with, um, you know, how he, how Katie was telling the lady, like, if, you know, someone is in the simulation, it feels completely like reality, like there is no difference. I don't know, like, what the implications of that are with, like, a government having that how would they how they would use it or whatever if it would have any use but i don't know if anybody else had any thoughts on that no <laughs> also just one more one last thing <laughs> with katie is that what was it what was it her mom had died recently or her mom was like about to die they were talking about um whenever she was back in college or whatever do you guys remember, remember that? I don't remember that. I think it was like her mom was sick and she can't afford bills, something like that. Yeah. But I don't know. I thought it was an interesting um, aspect to her character of this thing of like sort of the bond with the parent, but then the parents dying and then sort of the echoes in that with Forrest and his situation with his family mm-hmm. of like that maybe that's why she's partially like drawn to him or um like empathizes with him more than she would like maybe she would feel like he's more evil otherwise if she hadn't you know been through this like parent child you know loss or thing I I thought it was an interesting yeah aspect to her character and then at the end um, she's just like she's telling the government lady just like please don't turn it off like that's all that matters is that you don't turn this off because Forrest got reunited with his child and his wife and then if she is a character who like had this deep family you know loss or whatever and then she sees that the man she loves um, you know got back together like reunited with a child and then they were able to be happy together and then she's just like all that matters is that you know we keep this thing on so that this can keep going um i don't know it was just a sort of uh illuminating moment at the end of her character of like maybe why she sticks with him so close or she does the things she does you know well keeping it running is like also the only connection she has to him now yeah exactly that too and then she's like she's brilliant and this has become her kind of life's work and she doesn't want to see that shut down either and i'm curious what she did not have that same like driving mission as forrest did with like his daughter and wife yeah dying and all that so i mean what would what would Katie's goal be with the technology now to give it a different mission would be, it's just kind of cool to think about like 
the the post like what happens after the show yeah yeah you think about that forever i guess <laughs> but yeah i was just trying to figure her out the whole time and like i didn't like her at first because she was so like cold and um like nihilistic and then that scene where she, she was in that college lecture she's kind of like cruel to the the teacher or whatever i'm just like i do not like this character why should i care uh, i mean she was interesting but i wasn't i didn't like her i wasn't invested and then you i just thought it was cool what alex garland did like as the show went on as he did with other characters in the flashbacks of like adding in these layers so that we understand them more of like i felt like at the end i understood her and i liked her more and i was invested because i you know you saw like the heart beneath the layers of like coldness that she maybe you know had to develop because of what she'd been through but yeah that's pretty much all i have to say i guess all right. Well, did you guys did you have something else to say, Jimbo? Oh, okay. One last thing <laughs> on that. It, it's just one of my favorite moments from the entire show, and then it like it humanizes Forrest and Katie so much just in that moment. Yeah, is where they're laying in bed together. Yeah. after Jamie and Lily have left, mm-hmm. and they're talking about everything that's just happened. And they're like, I like Lily. I yeah. like Jamie. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, so we like them. Yeah. And you realize in that moment that, I mean, they're not these like evil, murderous people. Yeah, they're like uh, sort of victims of the situation, too. Like, yeah, and th- at that point, they already know what's, they, they got to know what's going to happen to Jamie and like what's happening yeah. with Lily. Like, they already know the fate of these two characters. And and still, they're just like, just, we we just naturally like them. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a shame that things are gonna play out this way, and you can't change it. You know what? What's interesting about that though, John, I'm gonna talk <laughs> for a minute, is that like whenever Lily makes the decision to defy the the you know predicted future, that changes everything because then you know that um you know it's not 100 percent accurate you can defy it and so that kind of like um yeah like once you you start to like the characters and you see that they're not like villains um once lily does that it changes everything because now forest isn't some like helpless you know, victim who can't do anything to change. Like, he could have stopped um, Kenton killing Jamie. He could have, like, not had Kenton kill Sergey. He could have, you know what I mean? And Katie could have done the same thing. Um, they didn't know that, though. That was the thing. Because they didn't have the, like, the courage, I guess, to... Or like the conviction, like they just got they got lost in the sauce, you guys. Um, they just believe their own, you know, shit, and so they didn't think they could defy it. They didn't think they had a choice, and so all the things that they, you know, were like, 
I, I can't do anything about this. I'm just a spectator. That's all bullshit now. But they didn't know it at the time. You know what I mean? So, but they could have made the choice to try and change it like Lily did. Yeah. So it does make them like culpable. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. It's just like interesting. The, the tragic parts of the whole thing. Yeah, no, and it's just, it's interesting to think about the morality of the whole thing at the different stages of it, you know what I mean? And, like, what you would have done at the time. Yeah. Just, like, characters. But, yeah, anyway, that's about it. All right. Um, If you guys had, I don't know if you had any more stuff to say on anything else before we wrap up. Uh, I feel like we all need signature sign-offs. Okay. Uh, I haven't thought about one for myself at all, so I'm not prepared. But maybe okay, next yeah, time. Okay, yeah, next time I think that'll work out. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so okay. Oh boy. All right, I'm just gonna. I'll just plug the social social media. And then we'll wrap up, yo. All right, yo. (laughs) Okay. All right. We are on Twitter at Excited Pod if you want to follow there. Uh, Send some tweets. Send some good stuff. Um, Fan Fan art, yeah. Uh, We're on Instagram. Please be excited. All one word. That's the account if you want to follow there. You can send some questions or comments on episodes and stuff like that. Then we have a Gmail. We have a Gmail, guys. Covering all the bases. Yeah, all the bases. Who's on first? You know, Gmail. Um, Gmail. And the Gmail is excited. <laughs> the Gmail is excitedpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to send in any kind of you know comment, if you want to send hate mail, um, yeah, if you want to send emojis, I won't read any of it, but feel free to send it. Yeah. And that's about all I had to yeah. say on that. All right, yeah, uh, let's wrap it up, yo. <laughs> all right, all right, right. Yo. All right well i'm not gonna say seacrest out because i don't know if we'll get sued for that uh, true it's very litigious <laughs> that um see that oh all right uh all right peace out yo thanks for <laughs> what do i keep saying <laughs> <laughs> bye <laughs>